Frank. Yo, Zach, how's it going? <laughs> Frank, what the fuck is going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Just uh, kind of relaxing. Hell yeah. Dude, we just got done blasting uh, Eternal Fire, man. That fucking track is so fucking badass, dude. Nice. Yeah, thank you. I'm uh, pretty proud of that one for sure. Hell yeah, Great man. Great song. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Fucking, uh, man, the vocals on that thing, dude. I know. There's, Tim did such an amazing job on that. And yeah, it's such an honor to work with him and everybody else on the EP as well. Yeah. Dude, you you have an insane lineup on uh, on this EP, man. Uh tell us can you tell us a little bit about like a brief history about the band and and how this whole thing came together and and uh how how you ended up with uh what you got now. Well, Belfed's kind of been around for quite a long time with little uh, hiatuses in between. It actually started in like 99 and I did a uh, started with a three song demo and then ended up adding another song howitzer made it a four song demo and then did two more songs so it ended up becoming a three song four song then a six song demo and i left it at six just had so a lot of different various musicians on that one as well and then uh, in 2009 i came out with peacekeeper and that that was uh that was a great album too and it was a fun experience working with that. And uh, shortly after that, the, the lineup kind of dismantled. A couple guys weren't interested in moving forward with the tour that was presented, and uh, so it just kind of fell apart. And, you know, throughout the years, a lot of people just kind of came in and helped me out, and it was really hard to find people to commit. Really wanted to, like, be a part of the band. Um, so a lot of friends and people I knew would, you know, help me out doing live shows and this and that. But uh, And I'm very thankful for that. But I just kind of always wanted a little bit more. And um, after, you know, the breakup of Peacekeeper lineup, I ended up coming back in 2014. I started thinking about, well, you know, if I'm going to go the route of just having help, having people help me out, well, maybe I'll just reach out to some uh, some people that I've met through the industry when I was doing the promoting thing with the Northwest Death Fest and the Seattle Metal Fest. So I reached out to this drummer I found in Sweden. Uh, his name was Frederick Whittings, and uh, his drumming was amazing, and I, I asked him if he'd be interested, and he said, yeah, I'd be down. So I gave him a little test run, said, oh, here's the, the scratch tracks to the, the song Raining Plague, let's just see how it goes. So he threw down some scratch tracks, and it was just awesome. So I'm like, dude, yeah, you're in, if you want to do it. And uh, he, he laid down the drums for that, and shortly after he did that, he ended up joining Marduk, which was pretty cool. Hell yeah. And then uh, then I reached out to Steve DiGiorgio. He's been one of my favorite bass players of all time. And, Love uh, Steve, man, man. Yeah, I thought, man, that'd be really cool to work with him. You never know what someone's going to say when you hit him up. So I hit him up, and he actually responded, and he's like, yeah, man, uh, go ahead and send me the scratch tracks, whatever, demos, whatever you got. You know, I can tell what you got going on. And I was like, oh, man, that's cool, you know? So I sent him the, you know, three songs that I had, and, I didn't hear back from him for a couple of weeks. I was like, yeah, he probably thinks it sucks or whatever. But uh, <laughs> I got an email, email from him. He's like, yeah, man, I'd be down to help you out on this. And uh, sure, when you need it done by, and we kind of worked that out. And Yeah, so he ended up laying the base for that. And uh, one of the best compliments I ever had was he after he recorded the, the five songs, he goes, man, you deserve pain for writing man, Mind Rape. 
I was just like, man, you just made my day, dude. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. And then uh, Dean Sturberg, uh, he played in uh, a friend of mine's band, uh, Pure Sweet Hell, Van Williams from Nevermore, the drummer. He's a good buddy of mine. And I said, hey, man, who's that singer you had on that, that CD of yours? And he's like, oh, my buddy Dean. So he made the introduction to that. And uh, Dean heard the material. And he's like, yeah, I'd be down to sing on this. So that's how Randy Play came about. And then my uh, good buddy of mine that builds my guitars, uh, Andy Beach from uh, Dehatry Guitars, custom guitar builder. Uh, he, had, he did the solos on that. And then uh, him and Jeff Loomis shared a solo on the song Darkness Falls. We kind of met up together and ended up kind of let them do a dual solo thing. So that was really cool. And uh, after that, we ended up doing a little tour in 2017. Did a little mini tour. We did two shows with Ghost Ship Octavius, which is another band that Van Williams was in with uh, Matt Wickland. Oh, Matt Wickland also did a guest solo on Rating Plague as well on uh, Darkness Falls. He did like the, the end solo, if I remember correctly. And uh, so we did uh, two shows with Ghost Ship Octavius and then uh, one with Morbid Angel. And that was just an amazing time. That's the last time Belfast played live. Then after that, I did a, a single with Ronnie Monroe, uh, POW to help his situation that he was dealing with at the time with his wife that was battling cancer. And, you know, I wanted to help. I said, Hey man, let's put a song out and see if we can, you know, help raise some money for, you know, to help your situation out, which was, which is a really cool cause. A lot of people supported it, which is really cool. And, uh, and after that, um, started working on some new material and, uh, <coughs> that's how dark and demise came about. And as I got the material together, it started out with basically I had four songs and I hired a drummer from Sweden, a different guy I just found online. And I was really impressed with his drumming he did on one particular band that that he was involved with. I thought, man, this guy's really creative. I thought, you know, hey, man, maybe I'll have this guy. Because Frederick's not available anymore. He's, he doesn't really play anymore. He kind of retired from playing music. And he's such an amazing drummer, too, that guy. What a beast. But uh, so the guy, I'm not going to mention his name, but. Anyways, he recorded uh, to my scratch tracks, and the drum parts were really good, but the arrangement was just kind of odd, and it was like, it was killer, but then it sucked. And I was just like, well, you know, maybe it'll all kind of flow once it all starts coming together. So I went in in August of 2020 and did my uh, guitar tracks with Aaron Smith in Seattle at his studio. And uh, some time went by, and once I, Craig ended up doing the solos, and Jeff, and I think around August or September of 21, Jason was going to do the bass. And he started uh, digging into the songs. He's like, man, he's like, this, this drumming, I just don't vibe with this, this drummer. And I'm just like, yeah, I was kind of wondering about that. And he goes, I got to play wrong to make it sound right. And I'm like, well, that's not, that, that's, that's not good. And I'm just like, well, shit. So what am I going to do? I said, well, you know, these songs, I felt these songs were too good have anything half-assed about it so i reached out to a friend of mine uh tim roth from into eternity the guitar player and because i love that band and the drummer was always every drummer they've had is just amazing i said hey man do you think your drummer would be interested in some session work he's like yeah man i'll i'll uh i'll pass your info along and you know and see what he says and and his name is brian dewberry and so he heard the material. He's like, man, this is really good. I'd love to be involved with this. And I said, yeah, just ignore what the old drummer did. You have full freedom to, just, to do your thing. And 
and take it from there. And, uh, man, he did a, an amazing job. He really took the time to structure out every single beat in every single song and gave that gave the songs justice. And then to send it back to Jason, he's like, oh, dude, much better. He's like, now we're ready to go. I said, all right. So Jason did his parts on the four songs. Or actually, Jason played on three. There was a song, Head First Into Hell, that was co-written from a friend of mine in Seattle, Dagda Celestia. We co-wrote the song kind of for a side project in like 2018, but it, it just never really happened. So I thought, man, this is a cool song just to have on the EP. So she ended up doing the bass on that. And uh, so everything was about done. And what happened was is I was off work for a little bit of time, and I just started jamming out, and I came up with a couple of new riffs. I thought, oh, this would be a good song. And I just started putting the, putting the riffs together, and I wrote this song, Accept Your Insanity, in like five days. And I was just like, man, I got to add this to the EP. So that delayed things a little longer, of course. And, uh, and then Jason was too busy to, to do the bass on it. So I was just like, okay, well, shit, who else could I get, you know? And I actually talked to Steve, and he was he loved the song and wanted to, wanted to, to do it, but he just didn't have the time. He was really busy with getting stuff going with Testament and everything. So he's like, man, sorry, I can't do it. But uh, man, otherwise, I'd totally be down if I had the time. He actually was really interested, which is really cool. So I reached out to uh, JD from Black Label Society. I met him through uh, my friend Andy Beach, uh, the guy that played on Rainy Plague solos. And uh, he made that introduction, and uh, JD was like, wow, this is a really cool tune. And uh, he goes, yeah, it's a little different style than what I'm used to playing, but yeah, I'd be down. And so uh, he ended up doing the bass on that. And then, uh, unfortunately, Dean Sternberg was going to sing on on the album but when i started trying to get the vocals ready he was having some health issues so he wasn't really in a position to do it so that's when i reached out to tim amir and uh tim amir was totally on board when i hit him up i thought man that'd be really cool to see if he'd want to do some vocals for me and and uh, i hit him up and he was like man this is really cool i'd love to be a part of this and then Jason Vibrooks, he's been a good friend for a long time. and He's done a lot for me with Ann Belfed. He's like, hey, you know, I could see if Steve Tucker would be interested in playing, singing on, you know, a couple songs if you want. I'm like, dude, that'd be awesome. And, uh, yeah, he sent Steve the material. And then Steve and I started talking, and he was totally interested in doing it. So that's how that whole thing came about. And then, yeah, I just finally got everything finalized like three months ago. And then... Uh, yeah, the duplication. It's uh, CDs are off to duplication right now, and they got some new T-shirts coming. It's going to take a couple months to get all that together, and the release date's uh, June 25th. So, after almost three years of putting this together, it, it was a lot of work and a lot of patience. But when you have five songs with eight different musicians, other than myself, there's a lot involved to, with people's schedule because all these guys are busy with their their current bands that they're in. So. You know, I was totally willing to work around their schedules because I knew that it would be really good. And, and every single person involved took the time to work out their parts. Nobody just slapped their parts on and said, yeah, here you go. Everybody just put 100% in, into doing what they do. And the chemistry was amazing. And I, I couldn't be happier. The only thing that I would want to change of this EP is if I could double it and make it a full length. <laughs> Hell yeah, so, man. Hell yeah. Well, I mean, 
And that is a fucking that is a hell of a lineup too. I mean, like you you've got people from uh, you got people from Morbid Angel, Control Denied, Arch Enemy, uh, Exodus, X Order, Black Label Society, Into Eternity. Like I know, Jesus man. I mean, it's so. It's, <laughs> it's like a dream come true. It's like, how did I pull this off? And it's just you know just. You know, a lot of these people are my good friends and they like what I do and they've seen me do it for so many years. And this is why I've kept moving forward because I've always believed in in my music. And, uh, you know, it's not an easy road. It's easy just to get your hopes up for something and then it doesn't go through. And then, you know, you get a little bit broke because you put all your money into it and then you have to kind of regroup. And uh, But it, I knew if I keep going, eventually things would fall into place and you know, I don't expect anything big to happen with this. I, I don't do it with expectations anymore. I just do it for fun and enjoy really making great music with, with great musicians and great people. And that's what it's all about now. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you know, and you were speaking about like, like the, the networking from, uh, from doing those festivals and stuff is sort of what, what made a lot of these connections. Can you, can you go in and, uh, tell us a little bit more about that because that's really cool how that the way that that works man i mean the power of networking is so fucking important i think for you know a lot of people need to know about that yeah it is and doing shows of that caliber like the first show i did was in 2002 it was a seattle metal fest at this little bar and grill and i i, I know all the local bands at the time a lot of them aren't really together anymore but I thought, man, it'd be cool to put together a little show. So I, I found seven bands, asked them, hey, you guys want to play a show? And it's this little bar and grill called Goldie's. They didn't even have a stage, so I ended up bringing a, a sound system, found a sound guy, and he brought in this whole system. And I put these seven bands together and made uh, festival T-shirts and then did these compilation CDs. And it went off really good. I had like 300 people in this little bar. The bar owner loved me, but... <laughs> It was it, it was pretty crazy, and uh, and then the next year I had somebody that wanted to invest and and see if we could step it up, and so 2003 I did a two day metal fest with oh my god Nevermore, Dragon Lord, Severed Savior, and god who else Death Angel, Strapping Unlad. They were supposed to play, but they ended up canceling, and uh, Dreams of Damnation, Exhumed. Hell yeah. And uh, so one day was kind of more death metal. One day was more thrash metal. But uh, and then uh, after doing that, I started doing regular shows. I did some tribute band shows and lo a lot of local band shows. And then, you know, over the course of doing that, you know, I met a lot of people. And, uh, you know, a lot of the bigger bands that, that I booked, you know, I'd, I'd, of course, get to meet them. And I'd always get a, you know, a vinyl signed by them you know, to add to my collection. So yeah, it's really cool meeting all these people through that process. A lot of great experiences. Unfortunately, after time, it just got to a point where it just, I just lost so much money. My investors were just like, dude, I can't keep doing this. This is just a big loss. I'm like, I get it. I even went the route of making, having bands pay to play. I would break down the slots. I'd start the shows at 10 in the morning or 11 in the morning and they'd run all the way till one in the morning. And I'd kind of start breaking down the slots. Okay, first slot would be 300 bucks, whatever. And you, they, I'd offer this big promotional package. I would do compilation CDs and festival T-shirts. Every band would get a, 
a shirt. Every band member would get a shirt, and every band would get like you know ten CDs or whatever to do whatever they wanted with. <clears throat> so it's really cool to to meet so many cool people and have such a great experience. Unfortunately, the financial aspect of it was just not working out. Even after making the bands pay to play, uh, one show I did with uh, Sadus, Cannibal Corpse, and Incantation. After everything was all said and done, I, I made like three hundred bucks. I was like, man, that's cool. I made 300 bucks, man. I actually made some money. So it was just a lot of work and uh, it just kind of took its toll on me. So, and one thing I've learned that promoting a festival or bands, that was one thing. But now that I've been focusing more on promoting my band, that's a whole different ballgame where you're just promoting your own project. And uh, so I'm still learning. As we speak, you know, I've made a couple of mistakes along the way here of promoting the new album, but you know, those were learning curves. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a great experience and being able to make these contacts and like like with Steven Giorgio, that's how I met him was when I, I booked Sadis twice. Actually, they played two of my Death Fest. Uh, the other one was with uh, Obituary headlining, and then Sadis and uh, I think Severed Savior. They were a unique leader records band. So, you know, that's why I thought, hey, you know, it never hurts just to ask somebody. He knows who I am. I say, hey, man, I got this, these songs you want you want to play on it. You never know what someone's going to say when you hit them up. They're either going to like it and say, yeah, I'd be down. Or, no, nah, that's cool. Or not respond or whatever. You just never know until you ask. Yeah, yeah. that th Absolutely, man. You're definitely right about that. Like, you never know until you ask, man. You know, you're just, you're just, you're not going to know. And uh, sometimes, sometimes people will be cool and, and you know, like, it'll work out and you just, you never know, man. But, uh, it definitely seems like the stars aligned on this because I mean, and the whole record too, I, I've been listening to the whole EP. It, it, the whole thing sounds fluent from, from start to finish. You know, it doesn't really sound like, uh, when you're listening to it, it doesn't sound like a whole bunch of different people doing different things. It, if you don't know that there's so many different people involved, it kind of just sounds like a band, you know? Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah, it's not easy to do. And uh, the cool thing is, is I was able to vision, oh, what would this person sound like to, to this song or playing with my music? And it always turns out better than what I vision in my head. So I, I'm we're pretty proud of that. And even with artwork, too, the guy that did the artwork... Uh, Sid, Sid Jimby Art, I believe, is how, how you call his, how you pronounce his name. He's from Indonesia, and uh, I just give him the concepts of, of what I wanted to have the song about, and just told him what I was visioning in my head, and he was able to just recreate in, what was in my head on paper in his own vision, and it was just amazing. And same with the lyric video guy. Uh, the first lyric video, Head First Into Hell, that came out, the guy that made the video... Uh, and Andrea's art, he uh, he did the artwork himself for that. He has kind of a different style than than the other guy. I thought, yeah, that's kind of cool. You know, it'd be kind of cool to have something a little different in there. And uh, yeah, these guys just do an amazing job, and they're really good on communicating. And it's uh, it's just been a good experience from beginning to end. And uh, and now I'm like what like three weeks away, a little over three weeks away from the release date, and I'm just finally excited to, to have it come out and yeah it's been a lot of work and 
something I'm, I'm very proud of. This is definitely the best work that I've been able to put together. And I couldn't have done it without the people involved. I mean, I wrote the music and arranged it, all the music and everything. But without what the elements that they've added, it wouldn't sound what it is. So it's a, a big, huge thanks to them. And the solo, my the highlight of the album is the solo on Accept Your Insanity. That is epic. Jeff did an amazing job on that solo. And he put a lot of time into it and a lot of love into it. And, and it shows when, when that song's out and people hear it. I'm sure you've probably already heard it. Hell yeah. But yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. A minute long solo. He's like, damn, dude, you got a minute long era. I, I got <laughs> to make a story out of this. I'm like, yeah, it is kind of long, but it, it seems to flow. He's like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm down for it. Yeah, so yeah. Huge thanks to him, and he's done a lot with Belfed. You know, he's played solos on I think on every every recording I've done, or every the demo he did a couple songs. Actually, the last two songs on the demo he recorded solos and programmed the drums on that. Then he did a he did a shared solo on Peacekeeper, and then he did a shared solo on uh, Rainy Plague, and then shared solos on two songs on the new one with uh, let's see, it was Killing Machine and Eternal Fire. Jeff and Craig had shared solos on, on those two, and then Jeff did his own on Accept Your Insanity. And I just I couldn't be happier with everything that's on the new record. And I think, you know, when, when the other two new songs come out, people are really going to like it. I've kind of saved the best for last. Not that anything's bad on, on the album, but the order that I've released the songs is the order that I feel, you know, should have went. Versus a lot of people might put out the best song first. Well, I kind of did it the opposite in my opinion. I thought, I thought it was just a cool way to do it. Man, that's really cool. You know, that's cool that uh, about the artwork, too, that you mentioned Indonesia, uh, getting somebody down there to do it, because we've got a guy in Indonesia that does all the artwork for uh, the Tennessee Metal Devastation Music Fest. And like you said, like, like you just give them the idea, tell them a little bit about what you want, and then, like, <coughs> like boom, the next day coming up with all kinds of stuff and it's, it's super fast super cool I, I don't know what it is like what they're what they're eating or drinking down there but uh it they're making some shit happen man it's cool yeah and how i was introduced to these guys was uh there's a local band here uh i'm having a brain fart i can't think of the name of it but uh my friend eric johnson he used to play in Belfed weapon a long time ago, he did some uh, shows with us way back in the day, and he was showing me this uh, this local artist. His name's Caleb. I forget his last name. Cryptic Mortality, I want to say, is one of his projects. But he was showing me the artwork that this guy has done. I'm like, holy shit, that artwork is sick! And so I, I hit the guy up and said, "Hey, who does your artwork?" And so he turned me on to the guy over in Indonesia. And I guess there's a lot of different people that do these do that artwork over there. Mm-hmm. And so I had quite a list to choose from. I yeah. just picked one. I said, man, I really like your style. Would you be interested in doing some art for it? And I thought it would be cool to do artwork for each song, you know, as I'm releasing each one with a single and a video, a lyric video, and uh, something a little different. And it's cool because the CD, uh, I, I have a 16-page booklet in there, and there's artwork for each each of the song next to the lyrics. Nice. In the EP. Uh, layout too i know a lot of people don't buy cds these days but uh you know with all the the free streaming and everything going on and that's cool and i encourage everybody you know if you don't want to if money's tight you can go to Bandcamp or youtube or spotify or 
any of those those outlets and and listen to the music for free but if anybody does want to support this project uh more than appreciative of it and you can pre-order the cd on the website beltfedweapon.net i have lots of other cool merch on there too i have quite a little merch store going there oh yeah hell so, yeah. yeah hell yeah and yeah. i've been yeah, I, I was checking out your uh, your merch store. As a matter of fact, it, and I mean, dude, yeah, like there's still a lot of people out there like 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 us that that buy. I mean, I buy tapes, CDs, records, everything, man. I don't care. Like, you know, it's yeah, just me too. it's cool to have stuff to to throw on the fucking shelf. I mean, you know, I'll admit most of the time I do listen to the digital versions of it, but every now and then it's just cool to to have that piece of. Uh, it's like a piece of history, man. You know, like, I don't know. Absolutely. You, you were talking earlier about, uh, your record collection, man. Like, so you, are you like a big time collector? Yeah. I'm into collecting vinyl a lot. I have a lot of CDs too. I still buy some CDs, but I, I like to buy vinyl now. So I got a pretty good collection going to vinyl and festival t-shirts. when I used to book the shows, a lot of bands would give me a T-shirt, comp me a shirt, and shows that I went to and bought in merch. I mean, I got like four big tubs of merch, <laughs> you know, that I've bought and had given to me over the years, and guitar picks and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I'm a collector, and yeah, it's, it's cool to have the physical copy. But what's cool about the digital uh, streaming is when you're in your car, you can mm -hmm. just go around on your phone yep. and spotify and jam out to whatever album you want it's right there on your phone you don't have to you know shuffle through cds and whatnot so it's cool for that but at home i love listening to vinyl and it's cool to have the artwork you know you open up the album you see all the artwork and the lyrics and, and everything and i wish i could have done vinyl with dark and demise i was looking into it but you know doing a short run of vinyl was, was very expensive it just wouldn't have been cost effective to do that yeah yeah unfortunately yeah but man maybe one day as i get enough fans and followers that you know are are buying buying the albums or whatever you know maybe down the road i can on the next release i do i could do vinyl or something but yeah unless you do like a thousand copies or 500 copies of vinyl that's the only way to get the price break right what's one of your uh prized possessions in your collection man what's one of the uh oh god i have somebody well i have a a cool marble vinyl of control denied fragile art to of existence that's one of my favorites, and uh, Black Sabbath, uh, or it's actually, I guess it's titled Heaven and Hell, it's the last Sabbath album that uh, Ronnie James Dio sang on, that's one of my favorites, but probably my, my favorites is, is my Iron Maiden collection, I've got the two box sets that they put out with the, you know, the uh, the earlier stuff, where you buy the, yeah. you buy the box set, but it only comes out with like the two, the two albums, and then you gotta fill in the rest, yeah. So I have both those, the, the, the earlier years and the later years. Those are probably my favorite. Yeah. And then all the picture, all the picture discs. I got quite a few Iron Maiden picture discs, and yeah, to have the whole Iron Maiden catalog on vinyl and all the others, all the stuff they did, the box sets. That's that'll take me till I'm about seventy. But hey, <laughs> it's it. You know what? It's crazy, like how how some of those old records stand the test of time too. You know, like. Uh, I've got some old old vinyl records of uh, like original presses of like uh, Led Zeppelin and Sabbath, like going way back, man. Before I was oh, nice. even born, you know, and uh, Pink Floyd and shit, and like that stuff. It still sounds, I mean, just just pristine. I mean, yeah, there's cracks and pops and stuff, but that 
I think that's actually adds to the cool factor of it. But like absolutely the actual uh, when you when you listen to it when you when you listen to it like that on a good stereo and you turn it up and you just sit there in between the speakers, you really do kind of feel like you're in the room with with the band like watching them play you know because it it sounds so i don't know i just i guess i guess with cds and digital and stuff there is some compression and going on and it can take a little bit of that the dynamics away i mean it's yeah it's not that noticeable but when you really do pay attention like it it's there you know yeah absolutely i fully agree there's a new vinyl I just saw. I've been advertised. Uh, Black Sabbath Live Evil has just been uh, reissued, remastered yeah. on vinyl. That's definitely next on the list. I got to get that. Hell yeah, man. But yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I love collecting. It's cool. But, you know, you got to watch yourself because it, it can get out of control real quick. <laughs> you go on <laughs> eBay or whatever, start buying vinyls. Like, man, because vinyl's not cheap. You know, it's especially some of the maiden vinyls. It's they're pretty expensive. But yeah, yeah. Now, they, now, now it's expensive. But like, uh, fuck, man. Like, like fifteen, fifteen years ago or so, you could go into a record store and find all kinds of used copies for like three bucks, four bucks. You know, like because nobody cared about them back then. You know, but yeah. Now that yeah, it's now that it's become a big thing again, like they're just jacking them up. You know, it's just like fuck, man. I remember one time I went into a pawn shop and I found. The first three Dio records, Sacred Sacred Heart, Last in Line, Holy Diver, and Ozzy, Bark at the Moon, and Ultimate Sin, two bucks each. Yeah. I was like, well, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> and they yeah. were in great shape, yeah, so I've had those for many years. But uh, I, I just actually, not too long ago, a couple of years ago, I sold all my cassettes. You know, I, I kind of regret doing that, but uh, I noticed that they're making a comeback now. <laughs> it's kind of... Oh, I, I don't, I don't understand that. It's like, it's like I could see vinyl, but I don't understand why people are into cassettes these days. Because you notice a lot of new releases, like Metal Church's new album, Overkill's new album, and yeah. you know some of these other bands. Yeah, you can see it available on cassette. I'm like, well, that's interesting. People are actually buying cassettes again. That's, that's I don't understand it, but uh, yeah, I think it's just the nostalgia, you know, the yeah. factor of it. I mean, and it's. I guess again, you know, it's just it's just a matter of being able to have something physical to uh, to put yeah. with your you know with your collection that that you know like I mean yeah I got, I got a bunch of cassettes man and I do have a tape player and I listen to them every now and then but not that much you know like it's usually just yeah. uh, grab them just to have them you know just to but I mean yeah it, it's crazy man it, it's I think it's cool, though, but yeah, it's cool to see him kind of making a comeback, and I know that a lot of people love to collect their favorite records, you know, I mean, I'm one of them, and, you know, people are into the cassettes again, that's cool, I, I'm sure some people have to go buy a cassette player again, because, like, I don't own a cassette player, I don't have one in my car, I have a CD player, but, and, uh, at home, but, uh, yeah, but it, it, I think it's cool that, that it's coming back in that format, too. Yeah, hell yeah, man! I found one in Goodwill for like six bucks, man. I fucking picked it up. One of those double nice. fucking things. <laughs> one cassette I did actually keep, though. Uh, I kept the Garage Days, Metallica Garage Days. I had that on cassette from way back in the day. Hell I kept yeah. that. I actually found that on vinyl a couple years back. The original pressing. Those are hard to find. Pretty rare. 
and pr pretty expensive too. So yeah, it's it's cool. I love collecting stuff. It's like pretty soon I'm gonna need a bigger house. <laughs> the way things are going, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. And, but back to Belfit, um, I just recorded two new songs too. I uh, I structured out two new tunes that would have fit so good to the EP, and uh, just tracked the last one, uh, the second one last weekend, and. Except your insanity is probably one of my favorite songs that I've ever written, and then now I just put together a new one. There's no title yet. It's just it's just fresh, all in the making. But uh, man, it's it's a banger. I think it's it's very fast and very death metalish. It's kind of like Morbid Angel meets Black Sabbath meets Exodus kind of a vibe. Nice. And, and uh, yeah, it's I like to cram different styles into my into my music because. I love so many different styles of metal and like dark and demise EP is a prime example of that. There's a lot of different elements. There's songs on there that some people will like and be like, well, I don't really like that song or that other song and then vice versa, you know, cause you got the, the clean vocals and the, the death metal vocals, but I, I love both styles. So fortunately Dean wasn't able to sing on it and he does both styles, but I went and had to go with two different singers to, to complete that but man i couldn't be happier with it and I, I can't wait to release the new material too so everything's kind of going off to the other guys brian will end up doing his drums it'll probably take him you know two three months to get his drums done for those and then jason i'm i asked jason craigan to play again and they were totally down so they're gonna do their parts on that and then vocals will be last so i'll probably release uh the first single in early 2024 and then the second one will come out in mid midsummer 2024 oh yeah man this man. way I, oh sorry i'm uh, sorry go ahead i'm just saying this way i can keep some momentum going because in the past it's like i put out an album and put everything into it and then we do a little tour or whatever and then all of a sudden you know i, I wouldn't do anything for three or four years so like it's been god eight years since raining plague so that, that's quite a long time yeah i want to be able to keep improving as a guitar player and as a songwriter and to be able to put out music to to fill in the gaps and not having to wait so long to keep putting out new music so it's going to be probably singles for a while one day i want to get to the to the point where i have the time to sit down and write a full-length record like 10 songs and that's my my goal that might take a little bit of time but hopefully within the next five years i can end up creating a full length is uh I work a lot and I, I work extensive hours, so I don't have a lot of time for writing. I usually wait till I, I have my breaks in between jobs and then I'll sit down and write. But if I can get a good break at one point in the next couple of years, I think I'll just uh, hammer out 12 songs, pick the best two and have a couple singles to keep people going in the meantime and then, and then put out a full length. That would be really cool to do one day. Man, speaking of uh, all the different styles and stuff, I wanted to ask you, like, as far as your your playing is concerned, what what was some of your influences growing up? Like, what what got you into uh, into this kind of music and everything? Well, the first band that did it for me, the first album that did it for me, I was probably eleven or twelve. Was ACDC for those about to rock? Hell yeah! I heard that. I was just like, man, that's fucking killer. The song Spellbound. That's one of my favorite songs. And then as I grew older, I got turned on to heavier music like uh, Metal Church and Exodus and Creator. 
and, and before that, it was like Iron Maiden and Ozzy and Dio, Black Sabbath, and Quiet Riot. You know, I was into them and Motley Crue back in the day. And then uh, got into the thrash metal and then got into, into the death metal. Got introduced to that. And when I first heard death metal, I was just like, I don't know, man. It's pretty extreme, but it, it, <laughs> it grew on me. And, uh, yeah, bands like Morbid Angel and uh, Deicide. The, the guitar work in Deicide is amazing. And I, that's one thing I love about that band. Their, their music is, is intense. I love the drumming, and, and the guitar riffs are just so aggressive and powerful. And, uh, yeah, so, and then... Of course, I always loved Iron Maiden and Dio and the, those styles of vocals. And Into Eternity was another band I got turned on to, and Iced Earth. Iced Earth and Into Eternity actually are the two bands that wanted made me want to go the direction of having some clean vocals. And when I did Raining Plague, and the funny thing is, when I did Raining Plague, I only wanted some cleans on one song, the, the title track, Raining Plague. And Dean was like, man, I'm hearing cleans all over this album. I was just like, well... Yeah, I'm not really kind of wanting to do that, but then again, it's like, you never know. I, I want to hear what you got. So he gave me some ideas, what he was thinking of. I was like, man, this this could totally work. I really liked what he did. And, you know, when you have someone who's a good musician, don't hold them back from letting letting them do what they envisioned in their head. You never know. It could work. and Or it can't. But you never know until you hear it. Mm -hmm. So after hearing what he did, I was just like, yeah, I'm totally down to do this. So that's how that that style got incorporated into Belfed. And I think it's cool. I push the envelope with the concepts. You know, the core of Belfed's, you know, more about the theme of war and battle. But uh, taking some different concepts, I thought, you know, hey, why not push the envelope a little bit and do something different? And it seems to be working. And, yeah, like, you know, eternal fire for existence, you know, that's a completely different concept and head first into hell and accept your insanity. It's totally different themes outside of the war, but it works and it fits. And, you know, it's just cool to be different and not to do the same song every, every, every time. That's hard to do for me is to not rip myself off when I'm writing new music. Man, spe <laughs> speaking of different, you know, looking at your merch store, man, your T-shirts and stuff. You have some cool T-shirts. But, like, I was laughing because I was thinking, man, these kind of look like uh, construction worker T-shirts, man. You got, that's, like... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's, Dude, that's badass, exactly though. What, that's exactly what they are, because uh, I was on a job in Seattle, a long job. We did a high-rise. And uh, I thought, man, what if I just make some orange T-shirts with the Belfed logo and put the saying on the back, don't tell me how to do my fucking job, because there's oh, always yeah. some... Once in a while, you get this asshole foreman breathing down your neck <laughs> and nitpicking you. And so I thought, man, it'd be cool. Let's just see what happens. So I, I made made a little batch of shirts, and I decided to sell them for what it cost me. It was like six bucks a piece. And everybody started buying them. Like, the demand was huge. And uh, so I said, well, shut up. Somebody said, well, you should make some hoodies, too. I said, okay, well, I'll make some hoodies. And I literally had, like, I probably sold 150 hoodies just on that job alone. So... Everybody be walking around wearing these hoodies, and it was just the coolest thing. And yeah, it kind of took off a little bit. Same with Alaska. I was up in Alaska working uh, earlier this year and last year, and people loved the hoodies. And uh, people weren't really biting them at first. All of a sudden, one person was like, "Man, I'll, I'll buy one of them hoodies." And then he bought one and was wearing it around the job. Next thing you know, I had twenty-five people. It was like, "Hey, man, dude, I want to get one of those." 
I was like, all right. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. I'd say I probably sold a total of 400 hoodies since I started making them in 2015. <laughs> that's yeah, badass, just, dude. I've just the orange ones, but because, yeah, that's what I do for a living. And, you know, a lot of people on the jobs, you know, they don't even have to like the music to like the, the hoodie. Yeah, or so, they just uh, they just want to support. Yeah, yeah, they want to support, and it's really cool. A lot of people appreciate what I do, and I think it's pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, even my bosses, they, they bought a hoodie, and, they're like, man, that's really cool what you do. And, you know, I'm not really into your style of music. And they're like, man, you should try to write a ballad or something. I'm like, yeah, well, maybe one day I might throw something in there. But, you know, that's not what, I, what I'm about. I write what I like to write. And, uh, you know, it's not for everybody. But but it's cool. But, yeah, it's cool to see people support it. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have been supporting the new stuff, too. I've been getting a lot of streams. Like uh, the, the YouTube lyric video for uh, Eternal Fire is the best I've done with anything yet. I'm already up to like almost 2,400 views on it in like two weeks. Yeah. The, I think that's, that's really cool. The one we got on Decibel? Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. That was fucking, uh, yeah, it's been going through the roof, dude. That's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah. So I've had some really that. good good comments. People have said, you know, some pretty extreme comments. I'm like, wow. Some people <laughs> said, one guy said, uh, man, this this could be, you know, the second track on painkiller you know judas priest painkiller i'm like well, well that's quite a compliment but uh yeah well yeah i'll take I mean, I'll, ta I'll take that <laughs> it's it's a good track dude it it really is man that's that's cool that that uh people are people are, are are appreciating it and seeing it for what it is man definitely yeah yeah it, it feels really good i really wish tim was still here to witnessed the release of of this it's really sucks he passed away very sad day when when that happened it was on valentine's day and i got i saw it online i couldn't believe it i was like oh you got to be kidding me so i've dedicated the album in memory of him and uh eternal fire is his swan song that's the last song he ever recorded before he passed away and uh you know if i have anything to do with help keeping his legacy you know alive I'm very honored to do that. And he was such a great guy to work with. I got along with him. We had a few good conversations and, uh, we connected in a lot of ways. And, uh, he, he was just really fun to work with. And he had an interesting style of how he wrote his, his melodies. He would write his melodies out on a trumpet. Like I sent him the music and he would work out his, the mel vocal melodies on a trumpet. And there were major keys in it. And I was like, Wow, that sounds really weird. First time I got it, I was like, that kind of sounds like sabotage, you know, with what he had going on, which was cool. But I was like, okay, I can vision what he's doing here. I'm just going to let him do his thing. And I, I did question him on the, the major keys. I said, you got some major keys going on your, your trumpet there. He goes, oh, yeah, that'll change. It'll all be minor. That's just how I work everything out. And he said that he learned that from, from Chuck Shoulder on how to, to write like that, to work out vocals. And then he just uh, wrote the lyrics and fit fit the words into the melody that he created. And man, he did such an amazing job. Wow! And, and yeah, it was it was a really cool process of of watching him do that. And at first, it would sound really weird. I'm like, dude, I don't know, man. <laughs> but then you know, it's like you know, hey, you don't know until it's done. Yeah, method to and, the madness. Uh, yeah, that's just how how he does it, and. Uh, yeah, Control Denied is one of my all-time favorite albums. It's, it's and it really sucks that Chuck passed away too. And well, Tim and Chuck are probably hanging out right now, and you know maybe making some music where they're at. But 
yeah, it's uh, it's sad that he's gone, and I wish he was here. I know he'd be proud for sure, and uh, I know a lot of people are, are liking what he did to the Belfed, and they love what he did to his other bands, uh, Pharaoh and uh, this last band he was in, Helios. Those guys are really good, too. I got that CD in my truck, and I've been listening to that quite a bit. And Man, he's such a great songwriter, lyricist, and singer. It was too bad that he that he's not here with us anymore. I would love to have done more work with him. So, oh yeah, man. Well, rest in peace. Exactly. Uh for for all the people out there listening, man, where can they go to uh, to purchase some music from you, merch, or anything like that? Where's the best place for them to go? Uh, the website would be probably the best place. Beltfedweapon.net is uh i got a pretty good merch store like we were talking about and Bandcamp, you can you can purchase stuff through Bandcamp too so yeah anybody that wants to support this project it just goes into the fund to help me create more music it's it's not cheap to do but it's very rewarding to see the end product and and people appreciating what i do and uh, i definitely plan on keep doing more so got to keep going now it's like how could i stop after this but uh unfortunately i can't just sit around all day take and not work and i wish i could just write music <laughs> crank out <laughs> albums but it takes time and you know we all have bills to pay and yeah you know what what not but uh yeah it, it's just a cool thing and i really appreciate you having me on your show and everything that you've done for me and i've been getting a lot of radio play through a lot of the outlets that you've you know submitted the music to and um quite a few interviews Hell just yeah, did a, two interviews yesterday written interviews through the email and those will be coming out there's one i posted on the facebook yeah it's just cool to talk about this and I'm, man i just it's just cool i'm going to be gone working here monday i leave to go back to work so i won't be available as 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 much but uh i'll take little breaks though and you know keep putting out some stuff I got some new merch coming out for Killing Machine. I decided to go with uh, the song Killing Machine, which is the ne next song that's going to get released. I'm making some really cool t-shirts and uh, some shorts, too. Some <laughs> pretty cool shorts. So There's a guy in Indonesia that does my artwork. He actually makes t-shirts, too. And uh, he was offering that and got a pro set up. And I was just like, yeah, let's, let's do a small batch. So I'm able to do short runs. Here in the U.S., to do a short run of full color t-shirts it's it's pretty spendy and you have to do a minimum of like a hundred yeah yeah so yeah. you know this way i could just do a short run and you know if i sell out i can always get more and so yeah those are going to be cool so if somebody wants to support uh have something really cool probably the best coolest merch i've ever made would be these pieces of merch coming out as they got uh, the logo down the sleeve and you know full color on the of the artwork and everything zipper hoodies doing zipper hoodies and the long sleeve shirts Badass, man. Badass. Yeah. So, yeah, just try to keep going and keep the metal flowing. Oh, yeah. That's all we can do, man. Well, Frank, yeah. uh, thanks thanks a lot for taking the time to talk to us, man. I'm about out of questions for you. Is there anything else you want to let the people know? Uh, I just want to say thanks for listening and all the support. And, you know, it means a lot to me that everybody uh, that's been listening to it and the, the good comments, it's really cool. And keep your ears out because there's going to be more coming. So, and, and thanks to you, Zach, for having me on your show and everything that you've done. And, and kudos to you for all you do. You know, I know you do the radio show and you do the PR work and you do the festivals. It's, that's a lot you and your wife do. And it's, that's really cool that you, you guys do all that. 
<laughs> Thanks, it's man. It's a lot of work. <laughs> I know it's a lot of work, <laughs> but it's awesome. Hell yeah, man. It's a full-time job. Well, uh, oh, I bet. Before I let you go, could I get you to make us a station tag real quick? Oh, sure. All right. Whenever you're ready, say something like, this is Belt Fed Weapon, and you're listening to Metal Devastation Radio. This is Belt Fed Weapon, and you are listening to Metal Devastation Radio. Crank it up loud. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. <laughs> right on, Zach. Thanks for having me, buddy. Hey, man. Anytime, man. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to blast some more Belt Fed for these motherfuckers so they can go crazy, all right? Right on. Which <laughs> ones are you going to play? I got uh, Dark and Demise and Head First into Hell coming up. Nice. Right on, Zach. Appreciate all you do, man. All right, man. We'll talk to you later, brother. All right. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. There you have it, folks. Belt Fed Weapon live on the Zach Moonshine Show with Metal Devastation Motherfucking Radio. Like I said earlier, put your speakers in your windows, put them in your front lawns, put them in your neighbor's driveway. If you're in the basement, duct tape your speakers to the ceiling. If you're in the attic, point your speakers at the floor. If you're in the back of an Uber car or a taxi cab or a bus, take your earbuds out and crank your fucking cell phone up. Do whatever you got to do to make everybody around you turn their head and be like, what the fuck is this guy doing, man? Crank it the fuck up. This is belt-fed weapon.